I'm thankful today. But you know what? That should be our attitude of life. Every day we should be thankful. In fact, the Bible says that we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. So every day I come before the Lord giving thanks and, and praising him for all the great things that he has. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. And so we're going to be doing that during the month of November, and we're going to start it today. In this age of massive problems and pressures, many of us struggle with our attitudes, don't we? With our moods, with our feelings, with our dispositions. And I think there are many reasons for that, but maybe one of the biggest ones is that we have lost the combination to the safe of joyful living. Hidden away in the safe is the secret of daily joy, of the peace that passes all understanding, of daily victory. And many of us have lost the combination to that safe. Well, what is the combination? It's a 12-letter code that I want to remind you of today and help you to memorize. And, and here it is. there it is right there, 12 letters. It's the word what? thanksgiving. And there is no better story in the Word of God to see this put into practice than the story we're going to read today from Luke chapter 17. So here we are, Luke chapter 17. I'm going to start reading in verse number 11. Now it happened as he went, which is Jesus, to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village there met him ten men who were lepers, and they stood afar off. The reason they were standing far away is because it was against the law for a leprous person to approach anyone who was clean. So they were away from Jesus, but they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. Now, what's interesting, and we'll talk about this in a moment, is that Jesus didn't heal them. He could have done that. He, he could have just said, be healed. Even without touching them, his word had the power to do that. But he didn't even say that. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. Because it was the priest and only the priest in Jerusalem who de could declare these men cleansed, okay? So he's telling him, you go ahead and show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, and they are going by faith right now, it's a process, as they went, the Bible says they were cleansed. But one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned around and with a loud voice went back and glorified God. And he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And here's the kicker. This guy was a Samaritan. The other nine, they were, they were churchgoers, all right? They, they were the elect ones. They were the ones who were the chosen nation. This guy wasn't. He was a foreigner. He was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not found any who returned to give glory to God except this 
this foreigner. And he said to him, Arise, go your way, because your faith has made you well. Lord, I pray that we would have faith like that today and that we would be made well spiritually. I pray more than that even, Lord, that we would be thankful today just as this lone Samaritan was. Help us to bring our thanks and give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as this story in Luke chapter 17 unfolds, Jesus is passing through Galilee into Samaria. He's on his way to Jerusalem and ultimately to the cross. Coming to this small village, he encounters this group of lepers, nine Jews and one Samaritan. Now, it was not customary for Jews and Samaritans to hang out together. They didn't jihaw very well. In fact, a real Jew would not be found dead with a Samaritan. However, I believe because of their condition, that they were all lepers, that they had been cast out of their village, out of their home. They, they were cohabitating. They were trying to help each other out. But the Bible is specific here. There are nine Jews and a single Samaritan. They kept their distance from Jesus and they cried out to him. Now, let's talk about their cry because their cry must have been pitiful. I've done a lot of research on leprosy this past week and I, I found that leprosy begins to destroy a person's vocal cords from the beginning and it makes clear speech almost impossible. And as the disease progresses, Lepers are often reduced to just squeaks and squeals. So the combined disharmony of these ten men must have sounded like fingernails on a blackboard. But can I tell you something? It was sweet music to Jesus. What were they crying out? Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They didn't ask Jesus to heal them. Perhaps they thought they were beyond healing. Maybe they were just asking for relief from the pain. Lord, would you just show a little mercy to us? Here's what Jesus said back to them. You guys get on down the road and go show yourself to the priests. Again, it's interesting to me. Jesus could have healed them. He could have said, you're healed, but he didn't do that. Instead, he just took it to the next step because after a person was healed, they did have to go to the priest in Jerusalem who was the only one who could, who could declare them cleansed. So Jesus just kind of ignored that, that very important step of healing them. He said, you boys just get on down the road and go show yourselves to the priest. And so what did they do? The ten started by faith. That's what they were walking in. They were walking in faith. And they stepped out on the road going to Jerusalem. And as they were walking along, something started happening to them. Maybe they could feel the tingling in their bodies. Maybe they felt a freshness coming on. Maybe they felt their skin being cleansed. Maybe they felt the leprosy dropping off onto the ground. But they started looking at each other. And all of a sudden... They were healed. A miracle took place. That's when the Samaritan stopped and turned around. Where in the world are you going? 
The other nine yelled back as they held on to their blessings. And here's what the Samaritan said. I'm going back and thanking that man. That brings me to point number one. He truly was a thankful man. Now, we don't know why this leper had a different attitude than the others, but it's likely that we could have detected a different spirit in his heart even before Jesus appeared in their village. Had we eavesdropped on these lepers maybe just a week earlier, would probably have heard nine of them grumbling, bemoaning the fact that they were lepers, cursing their sores, yielding to self-pity. But you know what? That would only be natural because there is a 90% chance that you and I would have been right in there with them grumbling as well. But this one, despite his affliction, had a different spirit about him. He was more apt than the others to notice, I don't know, flowers blooming, to notice the blue sky, to bow his head before meals and give thanks. You see, it wasn't just a matter of being thankful for this one thing, for this healing, as great as it was, this leper had undoubtedly learned the secret of optimism, of recognizing that every good and every perfect gift comes down from heaven. Here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be preaching from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, which says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Billy Sunday's wife, Helen, learned this. In the early 1900s, when Billy was the best-known evangelist in the world, she was heavily involved in his ministry. And then on November the 19th, 1939, Billy died in her arms. Helen's world fell apart. She had lost her husband. She had also lost her life's work. But the following week at a memorial service in Buffalo, she stood and spoke at Billy's funeral. You know what her subject was? Things I am thankful for. <laughs> and she had a whole list of things, but this is how she started. She said, folks, it is really surprising how many things God can reveal to you to be thankful for. If you really want to know, all you have to do is ask him. I had no idea there were so many blessings. But when I prayed and asked God to help me write them down, they just started coming into my mind one after the other. And the very first one was this. If Billy had to go, oh, how thankful to God Almighty that I was that he called him away in an instant. He just cried out to me, I'm feeling dizzy, Ma. And then he was gone. How wonderful to be here one second and to be in the arms of Jesus the very next second. Never knowing any real pain or any real suffering of that type, I really believe that God was good to Billy in that way. And I thank God for that. <laughs> you see, optimistic people see blessings amidst burdens. They realize the sun, indifferent to clouds, keeps shining, and sooner or later, it is going to break through the clouds. 
They see life through the eyeglasses of God's promises, which magnifies blessings and keeps trials in perspective. They are conscientious about saying thank you to people deserving of it. Just saying thank you. Of returning favors to friends. Of speaking grace before meals. These are the people who stand and sing the loudest on Sunday mornings, giving their praises to God. They are disciples like this leper of the Lord. Which brings us to something else. Point number two, I see a thankful master in this story. Have you noticed there are two thankful people in Luke chapter 17? The leper, he was thankful, but also the Lord. Jesus was thankful. Jesus was thankful for this man's thankfulness. Being the God-man, Jesus both receives and renders thanksgiving. One of his earliest prayers recorded in Matthew's gospel begins, I thank you, Father... Lord of heaven and earth. When Jesus was feeding the multitudes, he gave thanks over the bread and the fish. Before instituting the Last Supper in the upper room, Jesus paused to give thanks. At the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus prayed, Father, I thank you that you have heard my prayers. You see, thankfulness is simply an element of Christ-likeness. When you are thankful, you are modeling the life of Jesus. So guys, here's the number one reason to be thankful. Because Jesus was thankful. And if I want to be like Jesus, you know what? I have got to give God praise and be thankful to Him. That brings me to point number three, this Thanksgiving message. The Lord's response to this leopard is really twofold. While appreciating the thanksgiving of the one, Jesus noted the ingratitude of the nine. And I know it's going to get kind of somber in here because this is where most of us live. But can I tell you something? Jesus notices our ingratitude. He said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. Now, you know, I, I, don't, really want to, I don't really want to get onto those nine too bad because I, I find myself in the nine a whole lot. But this is an amazing story. Here are nine Jews. These are nine religious people. These are nine of the chosen nation. These are nine people who probably grew up going to church. They had seen the miracles of God. And yet they were the ones who did not thank God for what he did in their life. The the only one who gave praise and thanks to God was a foreigner. A non-churchgoer. Now, doesn't that strike you as being strange? And I guess there are numerous reasons why. One of the reasons I thought of, and I don't know that it's true, is is you know what? Sometimes we who go to church on a regular basis, sometimes we just become callous to the working of God. And when God performs miracles, and can I tell you something? He performs miracles every week. 
every day. There will be miracles performed in this service today. We just become oblivious to them. Oh, yeah, okay, that, yeah, yeah, that's okay, yeah, cool. Or perhaps this. Maybe because we expect them and we demand them, when they come to us, we're not really grateful. Because isn't that human nature? If you're, if, listen, if your kids expect or demand certain treatment, certain gifts, certain presents, you know what? When they come, they, okay, you're doing your job as a mommy and a daddy, you know? But when they don't expect those gifts and they get them, what are they? Well, they're truly grateful. And you know what? I don't mean to be getting down on us too bad, but isn't that true of us sitting right here in God's house? We have God's blessings day after day, week after week, year after year. His blessings are manifold, yet sometimes we get so used to them and we put such a high demand on the expectations we have that when we do get those miracles and blessings, we passe. God, you're just doing your job, and we're not truly grateful. I, I don't know that I can prove this, but I strongly suspect that the numbers for the past 2,000 years have, have really not changed any at all. Only one out of ten is truly grateful. We must consciously watch ourselves so that we don't fall in the 90 percentile who never pause regularly to say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thanksgiving, after all, is commanded. Do, do, do you understand that? As a believer, a child of God, we are commanded to give thanks to God. And can I say, Jesus always notices our ingratitude. That brings me to point number four, and it's my last point, and I'm sure you're happy of that, all right? I want to talk the rest of the time about this Thanksgiving miracle. Perhaps someone here today is saying, but, but preacher, this, this is an atypical case. I mean, this guy was healed. He was the recipient of a genuine bona fide, Christ-performed miracle. Yeah, I would agree with that. But let me ask you, has God ever given you a miracle? Has God ever performed a miracle in your... Has, has the great miracle giver ever touched your life? Or do you occasionally wonder why God hasn't performed that particular miracle for you that you expect Him to perform? Have you questioned his miracle working power on your behalf? And if so, maybe you're overlooking the greatest miracle of all. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, I'm talking about the miracle of his love and grace and forgiveness. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us in this, in that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. You see, in Christ, you have the miracle of new life. When we come to God through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are raised, we are resurrected from death unto life. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you he has made alive, you who were dead in your trespasses and sins. 
One day soon, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come again. He's going to break through the clouds with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And according to 1 Thessalonians 4.16, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. You know what? You know what that's going to be? Can I tell you, can I tell you what that's going to be? That's going to be a miracle, man. When, when that happens, when Jesus Christ comes back and those graves start popping open, man, that's truly going to be miraculous. When bodies that have been decaying for years in the graves return to life, when the dust of the saints of all the ages is reconstituted into glorified bodies who will always be with the Lord, that's going to be a miracle. But did you know something? The spiritual resurrection of our souls from death unto life at the moment of conversion is equally as miraculous. What happens in here week after week when people are saved and get right with Jesus is just as miraculous as when he comes back and those graves pop open. Ephesians 2, 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. You see, you and I were totally dead on the inside. We were without God. We were without hope in this present world. We were separated from him through all eternity, wrapped in shrouds of guilt, buried in our sins. We were helpless and we were hell bound. But Jesus has made us alive. According to Ephesians 5.14, Jesus cried out, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead. And he has made us alive, those of us who were dead in trespasses and sins. And can I tell you something, church? That is a miracle. And with this new life comes forgiveness. If you could go back and relive your past, are there just a couple of things that you might change? I I can answer that for me. You, You better believe it. There, there are a few decisions that I made that I would go back and, and I would avoid. I would change those things. I, I would correct the regretted moment. And you would too. Because all of us live with regrets. And, and you know what? There is no way we can go back and change those bad decisions. Are you with me? I mean, you just can't do it. And the result of all of that is guilt. We're burdened down with guilt. Guilt comes back day after day and shames us. But here's the deal. When Jesus Christ comes into our life, that guilt is suddenly, completely, and permanently removed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are given a brand new beginning. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... They are a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become brand new. That's a miracle, dude. In trying to convey the marvelous wonder of this forgiveness, 
biblical writers strained to give the powerful images to us of God's forgiveness. And many times they did that through nature. According to Psalms 103 verse 11, it says, As great as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is God's mercy. And then in the very next verse, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Can I get an amen for that? Isaiah 118, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made as white as snow. And then Isaiah 44, 22, God said, I have swept away your sins like the morning mist. Well, praise the Lord. Suddenly at this moment of conversion, your past was revisited. Your record was expunged. Your mistakes forgotten. Your sins forgiven. Your guilt removed. Your record wiped clean. Your soul was set free. And it took a miracle to do that. Furthermore, in, in coming to Jesus Christ, we also find that we have the power to begin living a new kind of life with a new outlook, a new perspective. We are given a new hope. And the future becomes just as bright as the promises of God. And according to Psalm 118.24, we can wake up every morning saying, This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I can go to bed every night and close my eyes saying Psalm 4 verse 8, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, makes me to dwell in safety. Day by day, day by day, the Lord meets our needs. He reassures our hearts. He deepens our faith. He answers our prayers. And He increases our optimism. Now, this doesn't mean that we're on a continuous emotional high and that we always have a great day and we're always in a good mood. Because we're not. Here's what it does mean. It does mean that we have this bedrock of hope that enables us to rejoice in the Lord always. And how can I explain that? How can I explain such love and joy and peace that comes into our heart? The only way that you can explain it is this. It's a miracle. So, if you think you've never seen a miracle, dude, you need to think again. You need to think again. You haven't been passed over. And if you're here today and you've never received the miracle I've been talking about, you can get it today. You can receive it as a free gift. All you have to do is ask God to save you and forgive you, and you will have the miracle of new life. For the Christian life is, in all of its elements, supernatural. We as God's children have experienced a miracle. Why? Because all of God's children are walking miracles. And that includes you. It includes me. It it reminds me of, of John Peter's old song. It took a miracle to put the stars in place. It took a miracle 
to hang the world in space. But when he saved my soul, when he cleansed and made me whole, it took a miracle of love and grace. It's very difficult. In fact, I would say it's near impossible to be discouraged and thankful at the same time. One of the best ways to overcome discouragement is for you to make this conscious decision to count your blessings. To count your blessings every day. To break with the 90%. Are you with me? To break with the 90% and return with that one leper and bow at the feet of Jesus and just say, thank you, Lord. As we learn to do that, we are learning the combination to the safe of sensational living. It's that 12-letter word, thanksgiving. 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 